Hello. I know for a lot of folks, this is a really difficult time. So I'm glad that we could come together for the first virtual EA Global. Before I get started, I just want to spend a couple of minutes talking about the EA community and our reaction to coronavirus. One thing that I think is notable is that before coronavirus was even talked about in the mainstream, there were EAs talking a lot online. I saw a hundred comment Facebook threads with people talking about the best ways to prepare and try and keep society safe. I think the early conversations are notable, but I also think one thing that's notable is the scientific mindset that people brought to those conversations. I saw EAs making models with any available data, thinking about things like triggers for social action, trying to think about the best ways to protect themselves, but even more importantly, protect others who might be more at risk. In addition to conversations within the EA community, I think one thing that upholds the values we have was the reaction of the EA Global team, particularly Amy, who you just heard from. Now, if you can't tell, Amy lives for EA Global. She spent months preparing for the conference. And so when it came time to decide whether or not to cancel it, she had a really tough decision to make. And she knew well enough that she couldn't be objective to make that decision. So she decided to bring on an advisory board. Amy identified that she might be biased in order to think about this decision. And so she put other safeguards in place. And she did that throughout the decision process. I wasn't part of the advisory board, but I did get to see the conversation. One thing that impressed me is Amy asked every person, once they made a recommendation, what would make them change their mind about that recommendation? She also collected people's ideas and advice through an anonymous Google document so that arguments could be evaluated on their own merit independent of people's positions. I think this upholds a value that's really important within the EA community, trying to identify our personal biases and taking steps to minimize them. And of course, it's also on my mind how many people within EA are thinking about taking direct actions to try and reduce the harms of COVID. I've seen EAs write up documents and articles that have gone viral. I know several EAs that are working with governments at a national level. And of course, there are people who have dedicated their entire careers to biosecurity or government more broadly to try and decrease the risk of dangerous situations. So I'm starting today being incredibly grateful for being a part of this community. I'm grateful to be a part of a community that uses a scientific mindset to think about how to protect society and help society. I'm grateful to be a part of a community that tries to identify and reduce our own biases. And I'm grateful to be a part of a community with people that are thinking about how to use their careers to solve pressing global problems. In my talk today, I wanna speak about a couple things that I think makes the EA community special by telling you a bit about my personal story. And then I wanna take a little bit of time at the end to reflect on how far we've come in the last 10 years 
and what might be in store for the future. For me, the EA community has been incredi incredibly powerful in a couple different ways. It's helped me move from paralysis to action. It's helped me explore different causes. It's helped me make big changes in my career. And it's helped me think about how to live out my values in a way that's sustainable. My story starts um, when I was 19. The first time I read Giving the Life You Can Save um, over 10 years ago. I was really compelled by the book, but I also felt pretty paralyzed by it. I didn't know how to make decisions as a result, like buying a Starbucks coffee and thinking about how far that money could have gone if I had donated it abroad instead. And a couple years later, I moved to Uganda. And there I met a friend who I'm going to call David and who gave me permission to share our stories. Now, David had started the Giving What We Can chapter at his university. And we talked a lot about the life you can save. And he told me that he thought that deciding to donate 10% of his income meant that he can make a meaningful difference in other people's lives without a significant sacrifice for himself. He talked about how he liked the commitment. So he wasn't paralyzed by everyday financial decisions and he could always increase the amount in the future. This really resonated with me. And through my conversations with him, I was able to move from paralysis to start taking action. My conversations with David also were really significant as I thought about which causes to explore. I grew up in a moderate religious community in Texas. And so coming out as bisexual was at times a pretty rough experience. I felt a lot of solidarity with people who had similar experiences to me. That solidarity in part motivated me to move to Uganda and work with Ugandan LGBT activists. I learned a lot from the activists I work with about grassroots organizing and community building. It was really important work. And I also had questions about how I could help the most and whom. David and I talked about this. I remember one night when we were walking over the hills of Naguru and he told me he had had similar questions. He told me the story about how his grandfather was a survivor of the Holocaust and how he got into social impact work because he cared about helping the Jewish community. And then he reflected on that decision. He realized that being able to relate to someone didn't mean that he wanted to help them more. He decided he wanted to help people as much as possible, no matter who they were, rather than just helping people that shared his own religious background. My conversation with struck a deep chord in me. It made me realize that I didn't think that the suffering of LGBT people mattered more than those of other people. It clearly matters, but other people's suffering matters too. And I didn't want to prioritize only the suffering that was most like mine. 
I really want a world in which there is no homophobia or transphobia or gender-based discrimination. And I also really want a world in which mothers don't have to bury their children because of completely preventable diseases or have to worry about where, how they're gonna feed their family. My conversation with prompted me on a journey to think about how I could most impact the most number of people. And realizing that I had to make a lot of choices because I had limited time and resources. Like David, I decided that I wanted to try and consider the ways to do the most good in general, including for people that were unlike me. So my conversations with David prompted me to move from paralysis to action and consider exploring new causes. They also helped introduce me to a wider effective altruism community that helped me think about big career decisions. By the time I was applying to graduate school, I felt like my identity was pretty set for the future. So the process of the graduate schools that I applied to, my public policy programs and my MBA programs required that I needed to pitch myself. I had to constantly talk about the nonprofit and the education sector that I started in Uganda and how I wanted to go to graduate school to grow it and then transition it into a social enterprise. And when I moved to Boston, I was really excited about pursuing that vision. I also became more involved in the in-person EA Boston community. And that's when I realized I had a bunch of questions about my fundamental assumptions. I started thinking about whether I should be paying more attention to animal welfare or working on things related to future generations. I also did a couple calculations about social enterprises and how often they succeed and at what scale. And I started to think that maybe working in government was gonna be more impactful because of the amount of resources on average that people had the chance to influence. And this was all pretty overwhelming, but um, my housemate Scott was an effective altruist and it was really interesting watching his journey. He was in the middle of a public health master's degree. He had started that degree because he wanted to start create the next GiveWell charity. And about halfway through his degree, he started thinking about whether he should be focusing on animal welfare more and eventually pivoted, even though it had no relationship to his graduate school degree, because he thought the issue was more neglected. So his career could make more of an impact on the margin. I found this really inspiring and quite different than the other communities I was a part of. In my business school communities, the thing in careers that was rewarded was pursuing a job that made a lot of money or a really cool new tech company. And I think society in general rewards status and prestige. Something that I think is really special about the EA community is that people are rewarded for the pursuit of doing what they think will have the most impact. And the process of figuring that out might look like changing projects or changing cause areas. I think this is incredibly important and really special. I work with people that have a lot of really weird resumes and I think it's pretty awesome. 
Which brings me to the fourth thing that I think is really valuable about the effective altruist community. Not only did it help me move from paralysis to action and explore different causes and be willing to think about big differences with my career, but it also helped me think about how to pursue EA in a way that was sustainable for me. I remember at the end of graduate school when I was thinking about careers in government related to emerging technology, and I had two big concerns. The first is I was worried about the culture of national security organizations and how I would fit in. And the second was that I was worried about going from a career where I felt like I could see consistent impact that I was making to going to a career that was much more speculative. I felt worried about my motivation and whether I might burn out. And then I felt guilty about having those feelings in the first place. And talking to EAs that were in the positions that I was considering was so incredibly helpful. It was so helpful that I could be honest about what I was worried about. It turned out some of my assumptions were completely off base and some of them were pretty accurate. But a bunch of EAs who were older than me helped me develop um, ways to evaluate a couple different pathways pretty quickly, especially pressure testing the things that I was most unsure about but I thought could be particularly impactful. And then most importantly, they would digest the conversations with me, letting me think through which things I thought would work for me and which ones wouldn't, helping me gain a better sense of my personal sustainability and fit. And there have been other ways that the community has been really helpful for me in this regard. I still think about the trade-off between spending money on myself and saving it and donating it. And I, in particular, am still figuring out how much I want to work and what that looks like in terms of being able to do it in a way that sets me up for the long haul. And it is so valuable to have friends in the community that align with my values and can come help me come up with guideposts in a way that I think will work and respects the values that I have. I think that this vulnerability, this ability to talk about the things that we're worried about in terms of personal fit, and what we might be struggling with is so important because I think that if we believe that most of our impact might come decades from now in our careers or with our donations, then it feels really important to figure out how to pursue doing good sustainably. So I've told you about some of the things I really value about the effective altruist community. Now I want to tell you about one thing that I think is important for us to be on the lookout for, if we want to safeguard this community in the future. And that is the pressure to conform. I think we have a community that rewards the pursuit of doing good, but I don't think we're immune from issues related to status within our own community. And I think sometimes us from having genuine debates. I've had people tell me about situations where they want to express a view, but they think they'll be dismissed or looked down upon because it's one that's not popular. One really extreme example of this is I had a friend who was having lunch at an EA organization, and they expressed a really well thought out inside view about why they thought AI timelines were significantly longer than what was the dominant view in that organization. 
And then someone they were having lunch with called them a heretic. I think this is really concerning. I, I think that we definitely don't have everything right. And we're going to need a lot of heretical ideas, a whole marketplace of ideas in order for us to pressure test our assumptions and call out our biases and correct us when we're wrong. So how do we counter the natural human tendency to inflate certainty? How do we try to reduce influence based on status? I have two suggestions. The first is that if you have a position of status or if you have a view that's popular, take special care to express uncertainty. I think there are two ways we could do this. One could be talking about what would make us change our mind about an issue. The other could be talking about the credence or the confidence we have that our position is correct. I am constantly surprised when I talk to leaders of organizations that are EA aligned about something that they're doing or approach they have, they almost always express a credence that's lower than what I expect them to say. The second thing that I think we can do to counteract this pressure to conform is to make space for minority views. I think we need to do this proactively. We need to reward people that raise critiques. We need to be charitable to people whose views are different from our own. We need to steel man sometimes critiques of our own opinions because new ideas can help us discover new things. They can point out our biases and our blind spots. Most importantly, I, need, I think we need to think about where we put rewards. We shouldn't just take shortcuts by rewarding people that share our opinions. We should reward efforts. We should praise people that have good methodologies and well thought out ideas, even if, and maybe especially with, if they arrive at conclusions that are different from our own. So I've told you about some things I really admire about the EA community. And I've also told you about some ways that I think we should be on the lookout to make sure we can make sure we preserve this community for the future. I want to wrap up by reflecting on where we've come in the last 10 years and where we might go in the future. It seems appropriate to travel back 10 years because this is the first conference of 2020. So if we take a minute to travel back to 2010, well, first that, that might be kind of hard because video conferencing was a whole lot worse in 2010. Um, but it would also be hard because the effect of altruist community barely existed. You could take all of the members of Giving What We Can and you could put them into a house. And then on that front porch, you could fit all the AI safety researchers in the world. And in the backyard, there might be people cooking up old school veggie burgers, but the impossible burgers certainly didn't exist. It was a different time. The world has changed a lot in the last decade. 
And the effect of altruist community is still small in absolute terms. But the progress that we've made, I found inspiring. Today, you could not fit all of giving what we can in a house. The community has grown a hundred times the size it was 10 years ago. That's enough to reenact the largest battle of Game of Thrones nine times over. And AI safety researchers have way more than a front porch. Oxford and Cambridge have their own existential risk centers as just one example. And Impossible Burgers, we have so many of them now. We have Beyond Burgers. They're in fast food chains across the United States. Good Dot sells burgers across India. And the Good Food Institute, an EA-aligned organization, has dozens of people working to create an ecosystem of alternative proteins and make plant-based meats mainstreamed. I'm particularly excited about some of the progress we've made in terms of policy work in EA. And I'm totally biased because I went to policy school. One example of this is Albinglow, a nonprofit that was launched this year, whose goal is to put future generations in the heart of policymaking in the UK. They've been working on issues related to biosecurity and emerging technology and civil service reform. So this all makes me curious about what the EA community will look like 10 years from now. And one thing that's certain is that there's a lot that we don't know. In 2030, it could be the case that some of the EA ideas and predictions that we cling to strongly now haven't happened at all. And some of them might be even more accurate than we were expecting. I wouldn't be surprised if the first prime minister or president inspired by EA principles has already been born. And she'll need a lot of people to help in terms of navigating electoral politics and policies. Or it could be the case by 2030 that a social historian has become one of the most impactful people in EA, helping us think about new ways that we could have large scale impact. Or it could be that there's an artist who has found ways to deeply and movingly think about expanded moral circles, pushing people to think about communities beyond their location or how to cross the human animal divide or how to relate and empathize with future generations. It's probably the case that in 2030, people will have jobs that definitely don't exist today. Whatever's in store for us, I think it's important that we cling to the heart of EA. Altruism and collaborative truth-seeking. This will help us pursue new knowledge and approaches as those opportunities arise. Letting go of old ideas, even if they are beloved, so that we can discover better ways to help others. To sum up, I think it's been a pretty incredible decade for EA. I think we've saved lives and made intellectual progress. And we've taken steps toward a safer and a kinder world. And I also think the next decade can be even better. EA has a lot of room to grow and to learn. 
But I think if we invest in our community and continue to promote good norms, we will be well positioned to try and take steps towards this potential. As I think back about my own story, I think back about Scott and David. They've had really impactful EA-inspired careers in their own right already. But through a couple of conversations with me, they pretty significantly changed my career trajectory. So as you go into this conference, I encourage you to think about how you can be a Scott and a David to others. It is pretty incredible that we get to do this together as a community. I hope that you take an open mind as you explore our marketplace of ideas within this conference. And I hope you have a wonderful next few days.